issue is a winner for Trump in general. I, I think that this time he might have messed up. Yeah, because you, you realize the Eagles come from Pennsylvania. And Pennsylvania is a swing state. A swing state that Trump only won by about 44,000 votes, which is less than one stadium full of Eagles fans. Yeah, and now he's picking a fight with those same fans. Now, this is not the group you want to pick a fight with. Remember, these are the same people that almost burnt down their own city <laughs> when they were happy. <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's an interesting point. I wonder how Eagles fans are taking all this. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to see a poll of them. Are they hating on the team for uh, backing out of showing up? or Well, the team wasn't going to show up, right? So that could be, are they mad at Trump for dissing the Eagles? Are they, yeah, are they mad at Trump for claiming the Eagles were not patriotic when you know they were certainly not the, uh, the standout example of players kneeling for the national anthem? Yeah. He got yeah. That, that was wrong. So I, I was reading how, well, and, and Trevor Noah actually makes a really good point there about the 44,000 people. I was reading how uh, when Amazon figures out where that second uh, center is going to be, that second headquarters, which may become the main one if Seattle continues abusing them, um, that that will be probably 50,000 youngish, fairly well-educated voters, which could easily swing one or more districts and could certainly swing a purple state Mm. in a national election. Yeah, I wonder which way that'll swing. Or if we'll all get so damn sick of all this bitching back and forth about silly stuff that we just, I don't know. It's taking a lot of fun out of the NFL for me, though. Yeah. I don't relax and think, you know, rushing the passer and then blocking and tackling and throwing a ball. I think, oh, God, I wonder who's going to do this. I wonder who's mad at Trump, who's going to sit, who's going to stand, who's going to raise their fist. Yuck. Huh, what flavor do we want? Uh, It is D-Day, June 6th. Um, one of the most important days in human history. What makes you say that, Jack? Well, if uh, D-Day is uh, the, the name given for the invasion of Europe by the good guys against Hitler, and if that had failed or not happened, uh, who knows how long Hitler would have been able to hold on to Europe or maybe have taken uh, uh, England and had uh, the whole thing. Who knows? Um the Soviet Union on, on, on the other end of the continent and, and Hitler on the Who knows? Who knows how that would have turned out? Well, yeah. But if, it was successful and uh, got enough people on land to establish a beachhead and marched across Europe and uh, defeated Hitler. Yeah. You know, for those who aren't students of WW2 and history in general, we had to retake all of the non-Hitlery parts of Europe that Hitler had taken. Never mind getting to Germany. First, we had to retake France and in Belgium and the Netherlands and a bunch of other places. And it was a slow slog and didn't go perfectly well at the beginning, as as most wars don't. And uh, so I heard a great discussion this morning about how would have this whole thing been handled in the 24-hour uh, news cycle, in the current news cycle? Oh, God. E- even leading up to the invasion, would you have been able to keep it secret? Could you keep? That was, that was the biggest um, thing. That's a bad word. That's the biggest thing mankind has ever done. Maybe going to the moon's a bigger deal. But on Earth, uh, mobilizing that much... I should have looked it up because the numbers are astounding. The number of tanks and trucks and humans and everything that got transported in a day or a week is just mind-blowing. The logistics of it. And could you keep that secret? And surprise was crucial. 
Right. Not knowing when it was going to happen was key to, to succeeding at all. Could you keep it secret in the current anybody could tweet about anything if there was anybody involved in the planning who thought it was a bad idea for some reason? Mm-hmm. And right. wanted to undermine the the good guys would have tweeted it out. Could or, you even do that? Today? Or valued them being in the know more than keeping the secret. Anybody in the Eisenhower administration, anybody in the military who thinks this is a bad idea, so I'm going to leak it to the New York Times or CNN or whoever. Even taking intent out of it, some vacationing deep sea fisherman sees an armada of army boats sure. going. Hey, hey what you're is right. It? What is all this? And you're tweets right about it. Yeah, even, yeah, you're right. Even that. Even even, even earlier that morning. It could it could hit the news right away and have given uh, you know Hitler a plenty of warning. Whereas you know that happens in in 1944, you could have seen the whole thing. Holy crap! Look at all those ships. Right. You're not going to be able to tell anybody, <laughs> right? It, well, and there was the the giant feint where we tried to mislead Hitler where we were going. Um, and yeah, I, that that example of a fisherman tweeting is is chilling. So could you but, keep it secret leading up to it, and then? The day of when tons of people were killed, how many, you know, naysayers, backbiters like to complain about everything? The other party. Uh, You know, former generals, whatever, would have been on all the cable news channels talking about what a disaster it was all day long. And then the ensuing fighting your way across Europe, which didn't always go that well, as I said. How many people complaining about that? Uh, Just briefly, 156,000 Allied troops, 5,000 ships and landing craft. Which doesn't sound that impressive until you picture 500 ships. It's hard to imagine. And then you picture that 10 times. 50,000 vehicles being unloaded from those ships. 11,000 aircraft. 13,000 paratroopers landing behind enemy lines, frequently greeted by machine gun fire. Um, God, and just, you can go further and further, or you could watch the opening 20 minutes of Saving Private Ryan and appreciate that Omaha Beach was 200 yards of exposed beach before reaching cover. The defenses were 100 to 170 feet tall, heavily defended. Many of the soldiers were carrying 80-pound packs. As impactful... uh, There were 6,000 mines near the shore to blow up the landing craft. Saving Private Ryan is is fantastic, and that that opening scene gives you an idea of, of what it was like, and I appreciate the fact that they didn't, you know... Turn it into a everybody got to be a hero sort of thing. Um, but the most impactful thing to me about D-Day is the first chapter. I think it's all in the first chapter of the book called D-Day by Stephen Ambrose. And and the reason it's so impactful is he, he gives you the background on a couple of people. Um, you know, star athlete in high school, had a girlfriend, wife pregnant, whatever. Goes through their, you know, a lot of their lives and their training and how gung-ho they were. And they died like within seconds mm. of the whole thing starting and didn't accomplish a thing. Right. And just, I mean, just really shows you how awful an ugly war is where you, commanders, and you have to do this, I realize, but commanders just throwing lives at problems and lots of them dying and you get over and you might win at the end, but all those lives are gone. And some of them didn't accomplish anything other than just the mass of humanity you threw at the problem. Yeah. And it's just, it's awful. It's freaking awful. War is awful. Yeah. If you want to read the awfulness of it, even though it was a great day for humanity, um, you could get the first chapter for free on iBooks or something. Um, Stephen Ambrose's D-Day is really impactful. Yeah. Wow. That's heavy. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, your whole life, you train, you're doing the right thing. Folks back home looking forward to everything like that. You're dead in a second. You didn't. You as soon didn't. as the door of your troop transport goes down, you yeah. get machine gunned. You never get off of it. Yeah. Or or you, you die your first step in the that, water. That was your yeah. contribution. Right. 
you 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 used up those bullets. Oof. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's yeah. that's rough stuff. Yeah. A, a day of incredible heroism, though, and, and sacrifice, and you know, fourteen <sighs> or thirteen thousand paratroopers. Many shot as they floated to the ground. And everybody knows I'm overly sincere and sappy at times, but the idea that on the anniversary of that incredible day of pain, death, sacrifice, unity, courage, um, and and our allies, too. Let's not forget the Brits and the Canadians who made enormous sacrifices. Um, And the French, the jokes aside, who fought incredibly bravely after being invaded. That on that day we're bitching at each other over who's a patriot and who's not, and the freaking Eagles going to the freaking White House and freaking Donald Trump. I just, I don't know. I, I feel like we're in danger of forgetting the good stuff, forgetting the amazing stuff. No, maybe it just comes with the luxury of being safe. I don't know. Well, yeah, that's probably true. Well, it's definitely true. It's a downside of the luxury of being safe. It still makes me sad, Paul. Oh, sure. Eisenhower famously wrote a letter of, uh, you know, apology and taking the blame for if it didn't work because he wasn't sure it was going to work. Right. And it very easily could not have. Right. Right. June 6th. Could you Could you pull something like that off in the modern world? I don't know that you could. Uh, Not a surprise. You know, I'd I'd love to talk to Mike Lyons or one of our uh, military analysts about that sometime. You employ different weaponry because you would have to. Sure. For one thing. Yeah. Going to talk to um, political analyst Gary Dietrich coming up, old friend of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Didn't we ban him once? Easy. Hey, hey. I thought we... Bygones. Speaking of, let's all come together. I thought he chose another radio station over us. And then we banned him. Certain hotheads among us, you, um, may have had an issue with that. Well, that's the advantage of getting older. You forget these things. And and he's coming on next. I just forget about it. (laughs) Exactly. On the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Mr. Newsom, you've had eight years, and your party has made a colossal mess of this once golden state. Colossal? Um, so, <clears throat> this is what we got. For governor, at least, and that's not the only thing we have to talk about in California, but it's John Cox, as you just heard, running against Gavin Newsom. We thought we'd invite in old friend of the Armstrong and Getty Show, Gary Dietrich. He's a nonpartisan political analyst for California, national and world politics, and uh, involved with CitizenVoice.org, which is absolutely a fantastic website if you've never checked out. Gary, long time, no talk. Hey, you know, Jack, it is so good to be on with you guys again, and i I got to say this. I am going to count as perhaps my major victory in election year 2018, getting off of the Armstrong and Getty no-fly list. You know, that, <laughs> I, I heard your teeth going into the break. But you know what? After a 15-year <laughs> broadcast relationship, you know, it, it is, detente has been achieved, and, and we're so very grateful. I give credit to Trump as everything, everything, every, all blame and credit should go to Trump for everything. Uh, so John Cox clearly can't beat Gavin Newsom, you agree? 
Uh, well, you know, the uphill climb is going to be gargantuan, to, to say the least, Jack, because you know, we got 26 percent. You add that with, with Travis Allen, the other big Republican on the ticket, 10 percent. You get 36 percent. You're just over a third. Now, you know, we got the numbers from California registration just in the last 10 days, Jack, that showed now independents have just eclipsed Republicans at 25.3, yeah. Republicans 25. So, so the numbers just don't add up right now for Republican statewide office holder, Jack, and that's the problem, as you know, for California Republicans. Um, yeah, well, that is, yeah, we talked about that the other day. It's pretty interesting that the independents are b- bigger than Republicans at this point in California, and I think because there's, if you're, if you're a small government, limited government sort of person, it's difficult to call yourself a Republican based on what a lot of the Republican Party has done. To your exact point, my friend, check this out. Look at the California Insurance Commissioner race where Steve Poisner, who won that very office in 2006 as a Republican, ran yesterday as an independent and got 41% of the vote. The wow. same as the Democratic state senator he'll face off with in the fall. So if that isn't a real indicator of exactly what you're talking about, that I think some Republicans have just almost given up on running as a Republican in California. Here's a Republican now running as an independent and got 41% of the vote. Hit me with any weaknesses that Gavin Newsom has in terms of trying to be governor of California. Well, you know, certainly the personal uh, things are going to be brought up. Nobody I mean, cares about that. Do you know who the president is? <laughs> the fact that you cheated on your wife well, is not going to keep you from being governor of California. Yeah, well, well, here's the thing, though, okay? And, and, and there's a lot of truth to that, and a lot of people have already made that exact point very strongly as well. But, in, it, Jack, in light of the Me Too movement, especially in a deeply blue state like California, does that impact Gavin Newsom? You know, it certainly seemed to with mm. some members of his party. Is it enough to sink a ship? Probably not. I mean, the, the challenge, you know, for Democrats in California is going to be, with the big drift to the left, and Democrats, it looks like they are not going to get, by the way, supermajority control of the state Senate because one of their own was recalled, as you know, yesterday by a by 60% margin over his gas tax vote. We can get to that in a second if you want for November. But the bottom line is, you know, it, it's going to be very tough to unseat uh, somebody like a Newsom. But it, his candidacy will clearly be a leftward drift, even compared to Jerry Brown, who was seen on both side of the, uh, sides of the aisle something of a fiscal conservative compared to many of his fellow Democrats. Wow, I didn't know that uh, that that would be the assessment. So Gavin is to the left of Jerry Brown in general. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very. I, I think that's quite widely believed nationally. And here's here's something else to try on, Jack. He wins the California governorship. Let's just say he does in the, in November, right? Somebody was already asking me last night on air. Well, what about 2020? Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, the biggest state in the union, a, th- a sixth of electoral v- votes. And, and you may be looking at not only our, you know, uh, our junior senator, Kamala Harris, on the short list of Democratic candidates for 2020, but now potentially a newly elected governor. Yeah, that would be something. We talked about that earlier because uh, we had a clip of Gavin Newsom. Uh, do we have that clip right there? Yeah, play, play the Gavin Newsom clip that we have. Is that the one that mentions Trump? Uh, hold on just a second here, Gary. Do you want uh, the... Four, the voters receive a big choice? Uh, I don't know. Never mind. Because okay. um, uh, we had a clip of Gavin Newsom talking about how you don't want to elect somebody who's in lockstep with Donald Trump. We thought, why is he bringing up Trump? Well, he's positioning himself nationally, I think, as a guy that can run against Trump in 2020. And why wait? I think Barack Obama showed, um, uh, you know, why, why wait? Go ahead and do it when, when you think the time is right. I don't think there would be. I mean, strategically, 
I don't think there'd be any political reason to wait. I mean, he's going to be a fresh face. He's no doubt if he gets elected, California governor is going to have a big, uh, a big place on the Democratic rostrum for the 21, 2020 convention anyway. So, uh, you know what? I think odds are right now a lot of people are going to be surprised if he doesn't run. Hey, on the other side, because people have said this is going to be a big blue tsunami, try this on for a side, Jack. I think you and Joe would be interested in this. Superintendent of Public Instruction, the person that is in charge of schools throughout California, the education reform candidate, Marshall Tuck, came out on top, beat the Democratic backed a CTA candidate by 3%. So that's going to be a real battle for the fall to see if charter school advocates and those folks can really get a toehold in the biggest blue state in the country. Do you take anything either in California or nationally out of yesterday as kind of like an overarching theme? You know, that's a great question, Jack, because here was the thing. You know, we were looking for, is there an overwhelming wave in one direction? Or is this huge, supposed anti-Trump wave really taking hold? You know what? I'm already giving you some examples. I really don't think so. You mm. can see examples on both sides here in California where a Democratic state senator was recalled, a guy who was an independent, got the same percentage in insurance commission race, et cetera. And, and he, the interesting thing is you've got to look at those seven contested U.S. House seats that Pelosi said she has to have to retake control of the House. They were able to get a Democrat on each one of those ballots for November. They were really worried about that with a plethora of Democrats foaming at the mouth to get into these races. So seven contested Republican House seats, they will face Democratic challengers. That Democrats would consider a major victory. But I would not say there was a big swing in California, either way, and that's going to cause a lot of people to maybe reevaluate their math for the fall. Yeah, we got a long way to go between then, though. If Mueller comes out with his report and, and it's pretty damaging, I mean, that could that could change everything. Um, so I asked you, does Gavin have any weaknesses? And the only thing you threw out there was his personal life, and that might have mattered 30 years ago, but it's not going to now, especially since the uh, the woman he had the affair with, his best friend's wife. Um, she came out on Facebook the other day and said, nah, you know, there's nothing. There's no me too there. I was a grown woman. I made my own choices. So, you know, if she, if she were out there doing press conferences saying she was taking advantage of maybe. So is there any other knock on Gavin Newsom? Well, it'll, it'll only, the only thing you can really get to, I suppose, would be, you know, for more moderate to conservative people in the state, that is going to be, you know, his his very, very out front stance on gay marriages, you know. I mean, that even chagrined Dianne Feinstein, his own Democratic senator at the time, you know, uh, liberal policies in San Francisco. But it's, you know, it's been, there, you couldn't find a gigantic Achilles heel politically, I think, in a state like California. Right. By the way, one other thing, Jack, is this judge who was recalled, who sentenced a Stanford student, he was successfully recalled yesterday. That is raising questions about. You know, people thought some thought his sentence was too lenient. It's raising questions about an independent judiciary and whether this is going to cause judges to look over their shoulders in sentencing going forward. Yeah, it's happened once in 80 years. If it starts happening multiple times, maybe. Anyway, Gary Dietrich, citizenvoice.org. You want to know about politics from a non-partisan point of view, citizenvoice.org is the way to go. Thanks, Gary. Appreciate it. Yeah, there, there's Gavin has no weaknesses. Right. He will be the next governor. He's going to run for president. What's coming up in your news? Former top FBI official says he wants a deal in exchange for Hillary info. Awesome on the coming Armstrong up. and Getty show. Uh, I forgot to ask Gary, do we have any turnout numbers yet for the state of California? I haven't seen those, view. 
They were projected to be about 32%, but that was prior to the actual vote. That's right. what they were guessing. By the way, I just saw an email going around that they're offering some yoga classes here in the building now, a couple of times a week, and some of you more inflexible type here on the Armstrong and Getty uh, staff should might uh, look into some yoga. Physically inflexible or, or kind of principled? <laughs> I'm the rare combination of yes. both. I'm, in, I'm <laughs> inflexible physically and in terms of all my principles or ideas. Ideologically yes. would be the word Ideologically I would so you if I throw on some yoga pants early in the morning and get together and uh, do a couple of run-throughs, it'll help with my push-up That's challenge? Right. I will not... <laughs> oh, I will, I, good stretching. I will not change my opinion despite all evidence, and I can't touch my toes. Both. <laughs> Let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, FBI, uh, former FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe is reportedly seeking immunity from prosecution in exchange for testimony about the Hillary Clinton email investigation. CNN says McCabe's lawyer made the request in a memo to Senator Chuck Grassley. Grassley is the Iowa Republican that chairs the Senate Judiciary Committee. An internal Justice Department investigation into the handling of the Clinton investigation is thought to be wrapping up. As you recall, McCabe was fired in March, just short of a planned retirement with benefits. Right. I've been trying to get immunity for years. Nobody's ever given it to me. (laughs) I get pulled over for, like, traffic tickets. All right, yeah, you got me. I was going a little over the speed limit, but there was a swerver a little while ago. I'll give you the plate, but I need immunity. (laughs) They never go for it. But it's interesting that he's uh, he's now willing to deal. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, I don't either. We've been saying this all along. Any result from this investigation is possible. Any result from Trump very guilty of a lot to not guilty of anything right. to the FBI guilty of a lot to not guilty of anything. Right. Or the Obama administration. Very dirty. Very not. I have no idea how this is going to turn out. We have a, a quick California jungle primary update. It is decided it will be Democrat on Democrat hot action in the California Senate runoff. Ew. Kevin DeLeon will be facing off against incumbent Diane Feinstein in November. Interesting. Been waiting for that outcome and that just broke a little while ago. At the top of the ticket, running for governor, it's going to be Democrat uh, Gavin Newsom going up against Republican John Cox. And this matters to other states because he is definitely on the short list for running for president as a Democrat. Indeed. Newsom on one side of the sanctuary controversy. A state where we don't criminalize diversity, we celebrate diversity. I'll tell you what. Oh, wait till he's done. Uh, on the national, that'll work in California. On the national stage, yeah. his up with sanctuary states, Trump beats him all day long all right. on that. Yep. I guarantee you. As far as sanctuary uh, cities and states go, Cox is on the other side. The first role of government is to protect the people. And the first act I make is to get rid of this sanctuary state law. Wow, that's. That's that's not an enthusiastic crowd there. That no. that's got the going through the motion sound to it. Man, I'm I'm, I'm prejudiced in that I wanted the other guy. I wanted Travis Allen. That would have been a fun race. Meanwhile, Eagles coach Doug Peterson says he was looking forward to going to the White House to be recognized as Super Bowl champions, but he will not further discuss the visit that was canceled by President Trump. It is what it is. Um, that's where we're at. I'm not discussing it. What you've seen and what you've heard is enough. Meanwhile, you got LeBron James saying the Cavs will not accept an invitation to the White House if they win the NBA championship, and James is saying the Warriors feel the same way. I mean, I know no matter who wins this series, no one's no one wants to invite anybody, so it won't be Golden State or Cleveland going. Tell you what, that makes me want to watch the game tonight less. Um, 
And I'm not happy the way Trump handled this either, but I just I just don't like it. It reminds me of the football thing. Now I got my basketball stars that I'm going to watch tonight talking about politics, and that's in my head, and I don't want to think about politics right. when I'm watching sports, right. and I think that hurts the ratings. Yeah, and the Warriors, Steph Curry agrees with LeBron, says the Warriors aren't going to be uh, going to the White House if they win another championship. Now, shifting gears, White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders was pressed by reporters for a second day about her assertion President Trump never dictated a misleading letter about that Trump Tower meeting between top campaign officials and Russians connected to the Kremlin. You recall a confidential memo the president's outside attorney sent to special counsel Robert Mueller's team in January confirms the president did, in fact, dictate the letter. Well, yesterday, Sanders insisted again that she is trustworthy, telling the reporters. I work day in, day out, uh, and I believe, frankly, with the majority of you here in the room, I think you all know I'm an honest person who works extremely hard to provide you with accurate information at all times. Frankly, I think my credibility is probably higher than the media's. And I think that in large part, that's because you guys spend more of your time focused on attacking the president instead of reporting the news. Didn't Trump's lawyer the other day say that he did dictate the letter? Yes. Um, but is that a problem? I mean, because he gets to lie to the press. Well, what the reporters were saying is you have now asserted several times that he did not dictate that to letter. To the press. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You, can, you, can, you can lie to the press. The presidents do it all the time. As, White as, House spokespeople do it all the time. Okay. Well, again, they, uh, they've been hammering away at her as far as her credibility goes. So she got up and said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I work really hard to try and bring you uh, factual information. Is it obstructing justice if you come up with an excuse you're going to tell the media? Well, I guess we're going to find out. IHOP. You're, a, you're an IHOP fan, aren't you, Jack? Yes, my kids love IHOP, the little stack of pancakes. Oh, boy. Well, IHOP... I don't like the various... Uh, I don't think diversity is our strength. I like maple syrup, period. <laughs> IHOP could be changing its name. The pancake chain tweeted it was going to be changing its name from IHOP to IHOB next week. The tweet... International House of... Uh, okay, I'm going to... It's pretty obvious once you hear it. Yeah. And, and it's not confirmed, but this is what everybody's... It seems pretty obvious. Burkas. <laughs> Close. <laughs> beef. Beef. International House of Beef. What is it? Breakfast. Okay. The, I thought... When you heard, when you said they're going to change your name, I thought, okay, they're going to finally get rid of the whole international part. Right. That's so stupid. I mean, it's just dumb. It's a dumb premise. It's amazing that it's worked for so long. You were going to go with MAPA, Make America Pancakes Again. <laughs> The tweet didn't say what the B and IHOP would be standing for, but they said there'd be a big reveal on June 11th. And it does, it does. in my mind, I only think about it when we want pancakes. Right. And they're trying to say, right. hey, we got other stuff, too. We got questionable sausage and okay bacon, if you want that. Pancakes, eggs, etc. It's uh, kind of a play on words. Uh-huh. <laughs> the company issuing a follow-up tweet. They had a poll supposing what the B could stand for. Biscuits, bacon, butternut squash, or barnacles. It's at, not those last two. At last check, the clear leader of the company says is bacon. International mm-hmm. House of Bacon. I think that would actually be the better, and just in terms of branding and wanting your stuff to go viral or get mentioned in silly. Like right. International House of Bacon, I could see that being a yeah, step up. Well, my personal review, and it's just a personal yes. one man's opinion. Yeah. Their pancakes are very good, better than average. Everything else, not is not not. It's just not. There you go. It's just okay. That's a wrap. It's not very expensive though, so you know for what you're paying. Right. Again, you know, it's pretty good. 
That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. You know, if you ask for a straw, you can just drink that syrup. They don't even charge you for it. <laughs> the eating at breakfast places, because I eat, I eat breakfast to all meals. Um, if you're willing to pay like an extra $2.50 at a different restaurant, the quality of bacon and toast and everything goes up so much oh, yeah. by just spending a oh, yeah. couple extra dollars. When I'm at a diner and I order bacon and then they bring out like the thick cut stuff, oh, yes. But if you get something that's kind of gray and <laughs> either limp or hard, stiff as a board, Was it's this just the plastic that the yeah. bacon came in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, the Peter Yacht uh, coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Petering out of the Armstrong and Getty Show, Joe has already departed on his way to New York, where I will join him. We're broadcasting from New York tomorrow and involved in a talk radio seminar, which we'll probably talk about next week with uh, many of the the heavyweights of the industry, uh, executives that make all the decisions and hire all the people and run all the radio stations and people like Sean Hannity. And so it'll be it'll be an exciting deal. Um, I saw that the ex-USA Gymnastics CEO is going to plead the fifth. I understand the reason for that cherished constitutional right, uh, but it disgusts me when people get to hide behind it for uh, things like this, so he's not going to have to answer any questions um, on the grounds that it may incriminate him. Uh, And speaking of people that were involved in sex scandals, so Michigan State... Turns out they were uh, they 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 had all kinds of problems like USA Gymnastics and swimming and stuff like that. And what did we find out yesterday? They had, at Michigan State, in addition to some of the gymnastics stuff, they had a physics professor who got caught sexing up a dog. What is going on at Michigan State? Good lord! Um, got this text. Damn, Jack is on the rag today. Charming expression. Maybe it's fatigue from defending our lying president, just a guess. There you go. Some of the texts we get from people. I also got this. Uh, Hey, guys, this is uh, Dennis. The military would actually create thousands of fake Facebook and other social media accounts today. Because we were asking, how would the D-Day invasion, it's the anniversary of that, the D-Day invasion, it helped end World War II go in the 24-hour news cycle when people could tweet out and how would you keep it secret and all this sort of stuff. The military would create thousands of fake accounts and at the right time start releasing false information, including pictures of ships and so forth in places that you're not and completely confuse the enemy. You're right, that probably would happen. She would several times have them convinced you're attacking right now with video and pictures and all kinds right. of stuff and, and you're not until you get every bit as much surprise as uh, you would have had 74 years ago today. Good one. Guys, I thought you would appreciate this. They sent me a picture of a car with the window smashed out from San Francisco. I warned my mom not to bother visiting San Francisco. I, Since I worked there in law enforcement for a while, I tried to explain that it's just theft, urine, and fecal matter. Well, it's not just that. There's Golden Gate Bridge. and You catch a show. Transamerica Tower. I attached a picture of her car. So many nicer places to see. 
just theft, urine, and fecal matter. Well, Ow. that's no way my, to advertise my. for tourism. Exactly. No, not at all. Disappointing. Um, I'll be interested. I haven't been to New York for a while. And uh, I often compare New York to San Francisco. Right. La- last time I was there, I didn't see one homeless person the entire time I was in New York. Now, the first time I went to New York 20, however many years ago, um, it was that, that's when Times Square was still actually scary. Times Square is disgusting to me now. It's just, it's so Jamba Juice, Lego it's Store, saccharin. Yeah, 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 it's just, it's... Uh. It's, it's it's too spit shined. I liked it when uh, the... chilies. I mean, it's just whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the first time I ever went, I mean, it was it was it was not like in Taxi Driver in the seventies where I would have been say, scared yeah. to go there. Yeah. But I remember walking down the street and uh, like you know you walk past a place where there's a Broadway play and then you walk over here and then in the in the window they had a big TV with some of the most disgusting porn I've ever seen in my life right there in the window <laughs> of the television. <laughs> With 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 hose standing outside, oh, of it. so boy. that was Times Square. Yeah. It's hard to imagine that if you've been to Times Square recently, that that's what it used yeah. to look like. Yeah. But anyway, I'll be interested to see if I see any homeless people or not. And you know, if it's like my more recent experiences where you don't see that kind of graffiti and homeless people or stepping in in poo on the streets, how do you explain one liberal city where they don't have that problem and one where it's just rampant, like San Francisco? It's got to be policies. I mean, that's the only thing right. you can look at. Um, so I'll be interested in checking that out. I've only been to New York for, for fun, for, for pleasure, for vacations and stuff like that. This is for work. So I don't know if I'm going to get the, you know, not like I'm going to go to the Statue of Liberty or anything. Yeah. I've spent, uh, approximately 36 hours in New York. They're mm. actually experiencing the city. I don't count like layovers and airports. No, and stuff no, like that. no. But, uh, but it is one of the most fascinating places yeah. I've ever been. I simultaneously love and hate it. I yeah. hate the fact that it gets so much attention and credit, and anything right. that happens there dominates right. the national media like we should all give a crap. At the same time, you walk around there, and everything is historic and the biggest and best going on in the world. Oh, yeah. I mean, you walk around the streets, there is a definite rush. Oh, I mean, it's like, no, oh, no, whoa. no. It's just yeah. amazing. You yeah. are, See, there's the UN building right. where they're having a meeting right now in North the Korea. There's a building. Broadway play. Yep. There's, you know, yep. whatever giant celebrity or politician is in town for this right every tv news show you can see in their studios and the windows and it's just it's amazing in the single greatest feat that i have ever personally witnessed a fellow man achieve was driving a like a, a big rig in downtown manhattan yeah like those delivery trucks that they have that they, they just stopped at the intersections for like four light cycles it's insane i drove once in manhattan i think the last time i was there and i, I don't know if i'll ever do that again not my cup of tea hey yo son this is final thoughts with a and I like that. Huh? Gives me some street cred. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Jack Armstrong. Let's get a final thought for Michelangelo, our board operator. Okay, Jack, when you go to that fancy New York restaurant, you got to ask two questions to the server. One, do you take Groupon coupons? And two, how big is your macaroni and cheese? <laughs> I'm all about portion size. Um, Marshall Phillips, our newsman, do you have a final thought? I do indeed. No, I told you I wore an Uncle Sam hat to go voting. And Marshall thanks- just put on an Uncle Sam hat. Which thanks- Where did you pull that out of? Thanks to, <laughs> you don't want to know. Thanks to our Uber boss, Sarah. She came up with the Uncle Sam hat, which is going from my head to Donald Trump's head. Yes, and by the way, we do have a Donald Trump cardboard yes. cutout, which you would know if you've watched the new video. Which is us in our office, in the studio. Right. We've got that at armstrongandgetty.com. Sean, a final thought. Uh, I've already started writing my acceptance speeches for the awards that I will receive for my performance in this video that you mentioned. <laughs> but the big story in my life tonight is the NBA Finals continue. I, will, uh, I won't be too upset if the Warriors lose this one. I think this is the one they are most likely to lose. And if they do, I will be pants-suited next week. 
Short, short, short pants short, suited. Yeah, short suited. And, Turn off my mic. And fifty dollars poor. Uh, no, we sub- we substituted the the pantsuit for just the, the wearing the yeah. suit. Right. Awesome. Right. Humiliation, much yeah. more of a a. a a betting thing than monetary losses. Uh, Golden State, a four-and-a-half-point favorite at Cleveland. All right. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. I'm headed off to New York to join Joe, and I imagine we'll have a lot of good stories just from the uh, the travel and being in the big city and the talk radio convention and that sort of stuff. So we'll broadcast live from New York tomorrow morning, which, you know what's exciting about that? The show starts at 9. Yes. Oh, that's right. So you guys get to sleep in. Yes, yes. fantastic. Uh, see you tomorrow. God bless America. This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over. The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get! Get! And we apologize for our stupidity, and we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. Because the show's over! What? Bye-bye. These are the same people that almost burnt down their own city (laughs) when they were happy. Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West.